everybody, and welcome to the third episode of the Netflix and Swill podcast. I am Dan, joined as always by Caleb. Hey, how's it going? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm not doing too bad. Good, good. Caleb, we are joined for the first time by a special guest. I am here in his apartment. It is Epic Film Guy Nick. Epic Film Guy Nick. Nick, how are you doing? Let me get this straight. You want me as mayor of this great city? To outlaw all swords? Well, yeah, swords are dangerous, you know. They fucking cut people open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a very, very, very great pleasure to be here on Netflix and Swill with you guys. And to have Dan visiting for the weekend. I'm really, really excited. We're going to have some fun over the ensuing weekend. But yeah, it's great to be here, guys. It's great to have you. By fun, he means alcohol. Just lots and lots of alcohol. <laughs> we went to Wegmans together earlier, and I just... The amount of alcohol that is in that fridge right now is just absurd. So Yeah, we did spend nice. an absurd amount of money on alcohol. <laughs> well, fuck, Nick, your bachelor party, the entire fridge pretty much was nothing but beer. That is very true. That is ridiculous. Like, it, it looked like we might have been squatting there for like a month, but no, it was like a fucking weekend. And then fucking Brentley took everything home. <laughs> and threw it away. Don't oh. forget that he threw it away. Wait, he threw it away. I didn't fucking know that he threw it off. Oh, so yeah, he took him. like two or three pounds of bacon home and just threw it out. Fucking asshole. That was my fucking bacon that I bought. God damn it. Brentley, unsubscribe right now. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, there goes your uh, listening diversity. Yeah. Our, our, our listenership just dropped by a third. No, no, no. We, we actually have. Uh, at least a couple people from Turkey and a couple people from Sweden who listen to the podcast or list listen to an episode of the podcast. So that's awesome. Yeah. Hello, international friends. Hello, we from Sweden. That's racist. And they just unsubscribed. <laughs> <laughs> they don't just all go around yelling "bork bork bork" constantly. <laughs> Guys, we have a lot of stuff to get into, but I wanted to get into what's your swill really quick. So, Caleb, I'm going to toss it to you. What are you, uh, what are you imbibing tonight? I, I got a doozy for you. Okay. So, continuing with my trend of drinking 40-ounce bottles of malt liquor, I picked up uh, an Old English 800. I think I might have accidentally grabbed the Old English furniture polish, though, because it's <laughs> fucking terrible. <laughs> but it... It costs $2.65, and it comes in a shatterproof plastic bottle. Where the so fuck did you go? So you know that it's go? the high-quality stuff. Did you pick that shit up at, like, the flea market or something? Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. There was a guy around the corner. I had to ring a bell and wait three minutes and what know the, the password. So. Wow. Nick, what are you drinking? Ha. Ha. Well, you know, I, over on the Epic wait, Guys wait, podcast. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on one second. I, I gotta do it. Nick, what have you got guzzling down your gullet? <laughs> Get out of here. Only one man can say that, and he's not allowed on this podcast. I told you guys, the Hopester's gonna become a regular on this fucking podcast. We're getting rid of him. I'm tired of him. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Nick, I'm not kidding. Nick, he's coming I'm, over. Nick, I'm good with the Hopester. I don't want that Muskin Mescovel showing up. Yeah. 
Well, well, I pre-gamed with some swill earlier tonight, or at least what I would consider swill. Myself and Dan both picked up 22-ounce bottles of Not Your Father's Root Beer, the 10.7 ABV version, so it's double the alcohol pretty much from the initial go. version, and it still tastes like complete ass, but the well, busyness yeah, of it hard kind of covers up how shitty it tastes. But it did have me and Dan feeling pretty good when we started. And I, you know what? Since I come from the Epic Film Guys podcast where we're used to drinking delicious, amazing beer, I had to stick with that trend. And I am drinking an Upstate Brewing Company IPW. Caleb, it has ABV. It has IBUs. <laughs> it has It's them. delicious, man. <laughs> How's the mouth feel? Is it, does it feel wet? It feels weighty in the mouth. Very, yeah. very full when I put a sip in there and it slides down into my gullet. And yeah, into so, my it, belly. so it feels like your mouth isn't empty when you take a drink. That's very interesting and a great <laughs> description of the quality of it. <laughs> you, understand, you understand that the mouthfeel thing is literally just for Emily from the Class of Little Podcast. That's the only reason we do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's and that's why hysterical. she's been around for forty plus days, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. IPW. That's what I'm drinking. Uh, like I said, I pre games with some swill, so that's the best you'll get out of me for tonight. I didn't want to drink Dan's other swill that he has in the fridge, but I'll let him tell you about it. <sighs> you know what, Nick? Like you, you can't be drinking good beer on this show. You got to go get yourself some fucking Robitussin or something. <laughs> <laughs> I do have, you know, I do have some ecto cooler and some tequila. I could make another ecto Rita if I really wanted Jesus. to. Jesus, there you go. Those actually were not that bad. I want to freeze. I have a ten pack of it left. I want to freeze them, get some actual lime juice, and make like legit ecto Ritas with it. I think they'll actually be pretty fucking baller. Fuck yeah, man. Um, I also wanted to point out I have like a million like mini bottles of liquor in my fridge that I've had forever and I want to get rid of. So I have two mini bottles of Jägermeister and a mini bottle of Jack Daniels Old Number Seven that I'm gonna be pounding down at some point. Do it, you Jesus pussy! Christ. Just so I can get extra stupid. Nice. Well, Caleb, we're gonna be talking about my. Uh, we're gonna be talking about where my inspiration came from. But I was at a concert last night, and I happened to look down the aisle from myself and saw a man pounding at least two. 25 fluid ounces of Bud Light Lime. <laughs> Fuck. This dude, I want to point out, at the show, they were $11.50 for Bud Light Lime. So this what? dude this dude spent $23 on Bud Light Lime. That's a higher markup than printer ink. I bought, I got my, I have two of them, and I have, so both of mine cost less than $5. So that guy's an idiot. That's all I'm going to say. That guy is a complete and utter moron. Wow. You could have just taken a piss and squeezed some lime juice into it and see the end result. Well, no, because it's just water with lime. It's really all it is. It's it's Bud Light. Like, don't try to jazz it up any. Like, it's it's not going to be good. It's little. I can taste nothing but lime. Like, that's just what it is. It just tastes like lime. Like, the ABV and IBUs, because actually there's probably no IBUs in this at all. You know? It's, it's, no, Bud Light's probably like ten to fifteen, and which which is pretty much unrecognizable. Yeah, all I taste is lime. I found out what IBUs actually are. It's um, 
international bitterness units, so it measures international bitterness. But it's actually <laughs> similar to the <laughs> similar to the Scoville scale. It what it actually measures is um the amount of a chemical called isohumulone in the beer. But like with the way different tastes would interact and stuff, like it's still it's totally made up. Like it doesn't actually tell you how bitter it is. Because you could have something sweet in it that offsets it. So It'll taste more or less bitter depending on your individual taste. So when certain people on certain podcasts cough, cough, try to tell you that it's a specific IBU depending on the taste, yeah. that's completely irrelevant. Yeah, it says it's 67, but it tastes like 48. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to point out Nick, that I'm I'm so glad that you could be on because I I wanted to get the chance to tell you that you know giving me the shit every week when you do your beer reviews like and just just basically bringing me up and like your little jabs at me fucking make my week and I always listen to the show at work on Thursday when it comes out so like I'll just be sitting at my workstation just fucking giggling to myself with this big stupid <laughs> smile on my face and i just assume everybody around me just thinks that i'm fucking nuts because i'm just i i work on electronics so i'm doing like real small stuff and inspecting things through a, a powered uh microscope basically checking components and what have you and uh just looking into this scope and just fucking giggling to myself so <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, 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 to 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 bring it down to a little bit more serious level for just a moment, you know, we definitely no. appreciate. Fuck you, Dan. We love you guys. You know, you guys are two of my best friends. You know that, like through and through. Like I fucking love you guys to death. And the fact that you guys are such avid supporters of the Epic Film Guys podcast. I mean, you guys have been listening to it forever, and you know, supporting it. So you know, that's why you guys get those shout outs too, is because you guys are like probably among the most direct interactions we have week to week on the show. And, you know, anything that and, and I've said this before about you guys, show, but anything that I can do to pimp you guys out and push you guys and, you know, hopefully get you guys more and more listeners. If you leech some off of us or whatever, I'll do it. I'll do it. Cause you guys are great. And this show is going to be great. Like the more you guys get under your belt, the further you guys get in, the more stride you hit. You guys are just going to fucking be unstoppable. I can't wait to listen to what you guys become by, like, episode 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. It's going to be great. It really will be. Well, we definitely really appreciate it. And uh, your your show definitely is one of the highlights of my week, so. Yeah. And that's I'm not just saying that because I like you personally. Like, it's it's really good. Your production quality is very good, and the content is very good, so. Hey, Caleb. Yes. Swords. Nature's hell sticks. They'll fucking slice a baby in half. <laughs> I'm getting so fucking triggered. I, I, I prom please, please, please. Let's just do an episode of Netflix and Swill where all we talk about is cautionary tales of swords. We'll review every single episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to call that YouTube and Swill. I don't give a fuck what we call it. Literally in my show notes for this week, like kind of planning out the episode, I wrote episode three, Cautionary Tales of Swords discussion podcast sponsored by Chipotle. 
Over 7,000 Asians die each year in sword-related accidents. <laughs> I don't think we've actually talked about it, but no, I don't think anybody on this podcast really understands like the obsession I have with Chipotle. It's only been really like not acknowledged on the Epic Film Guys podcast, but I have a serious problem with Chipotle. Just well, the hopster Chip- knows you. No, love you have a. It's not a problem. You have a serious benefit with Chipotle. Chipotle, please sponsor us. Yeah, right. Your number one fan <laughs> wants you to sponsor us. I am pretty I... sure Dan eats enough of it that. Yeah, could this be just like you know, if a late night talk show drops the name Chipotle, <laughs> <laughs> all of a sudden Dan's if... gonna get a case of fucking steak bowls in the mail. Oh. If if I could choose one sponsor for the show. It would be probably Frank's Red Hot because my blood type is Frank's. Really? See, I thought it would be I thought it would be Budweiser, so that way we can get some free swill. No, I I love Frank's Red Hot. I put that shit on cereal. What the fuck cereal you're eating? It doesn't matter. It tastes no, like it, Frank's no, Red it matters. Hot. What are you eating? <laughs> Cinnamon Captain Toast Crunch. Crunch. Wow. So it cuts my mouth and then just sets it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, holy shit. So we here at Netflix and Swill have a very special announcement this week. Oh, yeah? My, my co-host Dan had his birthday yesterday. Yay. So what'd you do for your birthday, Dan? How old are you? Alright, I'm 27 now, which means my life is officially Old over. Old enough, ladies. Yeah, my life is officially over, and I, dr- I decided to drive four and a half hours to stay in an Econo Lodge so I could see my favorite band of all time, Blink-182, performing with That's awesome. uh, DJ Spider, A Day to Remember, and All Time Low. Who the fuck is DJ Spider? That is exactly what you should be asking, and that is exactly what you will be asking after I'm done explaining this concert. DJ Spider is about as irrelevant as could possibly be. Like I, he may as well have been fucking DJ Meatspin because that's basically all he was. <laughs> like he served no other purpose other than to be a, a, an opening act, and he might be for like Travis Barker or Mark Hoppus's label. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Uh, all I can tell you is that Mark Hoppus showed up for DJ Spider's set. He was out there for about 15 minutes. I, I snapped a picture of him, ha- like, attempting to hide behind an amp, but he's so fucking tall, he he just, like, towers over this fucking amp. So, after DJ Spider, we got All Time Low, who were surprisingly good. That's actually one of the bands I thought would be, you know, really shitty live, but they turned out to be pretty good. Then we had A Day to Remember, who I thought would be good live and were actually great live. And then Blink-182 rounds out the whole thing by being Blink-182 Live, which is probably one of the best live bands you'll ever find. But my favorite part about it was every now and then, you know how like every band, when they're in a city, they ask, you know, hey, whoever you are, uh, how you doing tonight? Uh, we're, I was in Scranton for the show because it was on my birthday. That was the only, like, wherever, wherever I would have gone on my birthday, like wherever they would have toured on my birthday is where I would have gone. But they're like, Hey Scranton, how we doing out there? And I was like, "Well, I'm I'm not from here, but I'm guessing that since the office ended, not so well." <laughs> and all of our listeners in Scranton just unsubscribed. All zero of them. Both of them. But if I was to pick a show for anyone to go to, this was it because other than DJ Spider, who if you just showed up at I don't know, fucking eight o'clock. You have completely missed. If you just showed up at that show at 8 o'clock, 
it's a phenomenal show through and through. Like that's that's the show, that's the show that people need to go see this summer. I have not been to a concert yet yet this summer. Really? the The last show that I went to was in March. Actually, Vanessa bought me tickets for Christmas to see Coheed and Cambria. They're my favorite band. I'd never seen them before. Oh, nice. So I went down to Stage AE in Pittsburgh and saw them, and they were phenomenal. Well, Caleb, basically that's all I've done this week is, you know, work, and then go to Scranton to watch Blink-182. What have you been doing? What have you watched Netflix-wise? I've been, I've had a real busy week, too. The highlight of my week is I picked up a new mic. Yeah, no more Crackle. I'm not running that right now. I'll keep tinkering around with it, but... I bit the bullet and bought a USB microphone, so it's working out a lot better, and now you can hear this sexy baritone in glorious high definition every week. (laughs) Nick, have you watched anything Netflix-related? No, his wife doesn't let him. (laughs) She's too busy watching Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, Nick, have you been listening to, have you been watching Grey's Anatomy with her? The only evidence, these cryptic words written in blood on the wall. Like a phoenix, I have risen from the ashes. A fucking phoenix who will fucking destroy all swords. In other news, local dipshit cautionary tales of swords killed again last night, bringing his death toll up to an astonishing 98. Next up, a local retarded man shits out a thousand antique coins. In terms of Netflixing, the only thing I've been watching on Netflix is Mad Men. We are just about at the end of season four i think we've got one or two episodes to go and it's basically a slog for me i'm dragging myself through it i love the period setting it's so well done i love how they place the events of history within the show like the jfk assassination was an amazing episode it was great just because they used so much historical footage from it and like the footage of Jack Ruby getting shot, like Betty Draper's watching it on TV as it happens. It, it was so great to watch that kind of stuff. The characters in the show are amazing, like Peggy, amazing, Joan, amazing. But I can't for the life of me stand Don Draper. And Justin calls this his favorite show of all time. He calls Don Draper the best dramatic character in television history. And I just think he's fucking nuts. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm literally, like, I, I'm going to watch it through to the end. I'm, I'm this far through now. I might as well just finish it. And I love enough of the other aspects of the show to get through it. But Jesus Christ, Don Draper's a fucking douchebag. <laughs> Holy shit, is Don Draper a fucking douchebag? Conspiracy? <laughs> fucking fucking right, right, right it is. <laughs> so, what do you think of Christina Hendricks' awesome rocking tits? Oh, man, Joan's awesome. Joan's such an amazing character in that show. Love her. And, yeah, she is always wearing exactly the right outfit. She just looks fucking perfect. Real quick aside on Christina Hendricks, did you know that she's married to Snozberry's guy from Super Troopers? <laughs> I don't believe that. fucking him. I don't, I don't believe that he's ever had sex. I've never seen someone bat so far out of their league. Maybe he's just got two inches of cock. Two feet. Yeah, two in- What the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? Two inches of cock. Blooper. Blooper. Who, is- Who the fuck is that impressing? <laughs> Your mom. Burn. I don't have anything to say about that. 
What was the other off-topic thing I wanted to touch on? I don't there know. There was still CityCon, and there was something else, I think. Uh, oh, I remember what it was, Caleb. What was it? The stroke of death Swords. is as a lover's <laughs> pinch, which hurts and is desired. Show's changed, bitches. Now it's a fucking narrative show. And I'm like, goddamn Batman! <laughs> Fuck you! Hey, come on, slowpoke. Fish tacos are calling my name. Hold on, fuckface. I forgot my notebook. Hey, what kind of friend calls his... Fr- what kind of guy calls his friend a fuckface? People whose best friends are fuckfaces. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start the car now. <laughs> We're such fucking idiots. Jeez. Remember, swords will fucking cut you wide open. That's your motivation. That's your motivation. I like what you're doing, Doing, Dracula. Dracula. More More hand movements. (laughs) Now fall to the ground. Monster mash with swords. Take two. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I just hijacked you guys' show and turned it into the Cautionary Tales of Swords podcast. But I know you guys have some sponsored by Chipotle too. So. I should let you get to it. I'll sh- I'll chime back in toward the end of the episode, though. I love you guys. Yeah, sounds good. Caleb, is there oh, anything yeah. else you want to talk about before we get into Netflix-y stuff? We're going to try to go to Steel City Con this year in Pittsburgh. It's December 9th through the 11th. And we'll be there. We'll be checking out the show floor. We'll be promoting the show. So if you see two guys in t-shirts that say Netflix and Swill, come talk to us, please. Yeah, that's right t-shirts we'll figure out what day it is probably probably that saturday probably that saturday we're gonna say goodbye to nick for a little bit guys but when we come back we're gonna talk about the netflix marvel shows jessica jones and daredevil and what we're looking forward to out of the luke cage show but until then enjoy some fine promos from the hashtag potter family podcasts The Epic Film Guys Podcast is a film comedy podcast with two best friends celebrating everything we love about going to the movies. We've got great beer, amazing guests, and quirky characters unlike anything you've ever heard before. Usually Nick makes me wait. He wants to try to give me cinema blue balls and make me wait until the night of the podcast. I will go so far as to say that I thrive on giving Justin cinema blue balls. I remember being a young man and my mother telling me I didn't have a name because I was illegitimate. I don't know what that word means. Well, I just assumed you were drinking that chocolate stout that you were going to make with the cheapest crap chocolate ice cream in a Miller Lite. I hide. I'm sitting here, and I'm hiding. I'm in the darkness. Subscribe to the Epic Film Guys on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, or your favorite podcast app, and we'll see you at the movies. Don't fucking touch swords. Don't fucking touch swords. Don't fucking touch so- Whoever's there, I got a decorative sword.
The stroke of death is as a lover's pinch, which hurts and is desired! And welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, everybody. Cam- <laughs> I cut ahead of you. <laughs> it's my show, too, fuckface. God damn. Sorry. Okay. No, it's okay. No. <laughs> uh, now I'm intentionally just fucking with you. Yeah, you're trying to make sure that Nick's neighbors get pissed off? Yep. Caleb, we're going to talk about the whole Netflix-Marvel partnership, what we thought about Daredevil seasons one and two, and Jessica Jones, and what we're hoping for from Luke Cage, which is premiering at the end of the month of September. So, Caleb, let's let's hear your thoughts on Daredevil season one. Daredevil season one, the main thought that I kind of have on that is whenever the CW debuted Arrow, I absolutely loved that show. It just had that gritty realism that I like in a superhero drama. The the kind of superheroes that I like aren't necessarily super-powered. They're just more realistic, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, I liked that the first season of Arrow had that gritty realism, and then season two came around, and they introduced, like, oh, now there's... Uh, a miracle drug that makes people, like, immortal super soldiers. And I was like, alright, this show fell off. I still like it a lot, but it just didn't really have that kind of initial thing that pulled me into it. Right. So whenever Daredevil came out, it had that real gritty feel to it. And it was exactly what I was looking for in a superhero drama, so I liked it a lot. Yeah, I'm going to fall right in there with you. After 2003, I think that's when the original Daredevil came out. The Darefleck came out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) A lot of of people were extremely disappointed with that, to say the least. It's because it was bad. It is bad. I I will... I mean, it is. There's nothing really else to say about it. You know, when... Netflix announced the reboot with Charlie Cox. Yep. I was a little skeptical, considering that Daredevil I, I'm familiar with, but not so familiar with. You know, the whole New York City heroes I'm only really familiar with through the Spider-Man animated series, which debuted mm-hmm. in the early 90s. That's about as far as my extent, like, my knowledge with Daredevil and the Punisher, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, mm-hmm. Watching Daredevil season one, it was very, very interesting because it took a little further bit of a dive into the character of Daredevil and the balance between, you know, the Daredevil and Matt Murdock as a person. Yeah, you know, similar to how we we look at the balance between Bruce Wayne and Batman. That's that's what we kind of got in the first season, and it was very interesting and very. When when you have Bruce Wayne, you think money, and when you have Batman, you think Bat God, which uh is a less than nice term for how some of the comic community seems sees Batman as being just you know unbeatable because of the fact that he's Batman, but you get like I don't want to say watered down because that implies bad. 
I want to say just like a lesser version in that, you know, Matt Murdock is not well to do and Daredevil is not Batgod. Right. He's he's trying to establish himself in his career as a lawyer and at the same time trying to establish himself as a superhero vigilante. Right. Exactly. Thank you for summarizing what I just tried to say in a few <laughs> sentences. That's I my greatest strength is that I'm concise. What did you think about the casting? I thought it was absolutely wonderful. Definitely Charlie Cox as Daredevil. I I don't think they could have done better than him. I think he's absolutely perfect for the character. Definitely like you were saying, I think that it's the best representation to date of the dichotomy of, you know, vigilante by night, regular Joe by day. I think that his portrayal was just excellent. And it came across so well in the series that, you know, just what a strain it was on him to live this dual life. Obviously, he had a great supporting cast as well. Vincent D'Onofrio as Wilson Fisk is probably the best Marvel villain to date also yeah i absolutely loved him everybody always says you know in the marvel films loki is the best the thing is that doing a serial format like this naturally lends itself to a comic book superhero so much better than just a monolithic film structure yeah just because that's the source material you have a monthly issue and doing it in a serial format like this, not only do you get more time to explore the characters, but it's also broken up into those chapters like that. So it's just a natural fit for the characters. So because of that, they were able to dedicate an entire episode to the villain and exploring his backstory. And it's probably my favorite episode of the series. It was amazing. That's actually a good point that I didn't think of, is that normally... When you think of comic arcs, they're like six, five, three epi- uh, three issues. But yeah. that's a good point with with it being, you know, 12, 13 episodes. It, it feels like an actual comic book arc as opposed to, you know, one movie that's just kind of like, hey, we're going to try to condense a comic arc into two, two and a half hours. Right. Like the, the film that I always like to shit on is Age of Ultron. They, they focus really heavily on the heroes because it's a film and they have to do that because they have two hours to tell their story. There's not a lot of options there, so their character development's limited on the villain. So, basically in Age of Ultron, Tony Stark creates Ultron as sort of a defense mechanism to protect the Earth in the wake of the Chitari invasion of New York in the first Avengers film. So Ultron comes online... And he thinks for about 30 seconds, and he's like, well, I suppose I'll be evil now because humans can't be trusted to rule this planet. Right. And that's his entire motivation as a villain. It's not compelling in any way. It's not interesting. And that movie, as a result, was extremely boring. Mm Mm-hmm. And and compare that to the comic book, where Ultron has actually created, you know, many issues before. Yeah. The the actual incident where Ultron actually gets to base his opinion off of incidents that he sees. So it's it's not just like a snap decision that Ultron comes to. It's, you know, I guess a war of attrition against the psyche where 
he's seeing that humankind just continues and continues and continues, no matter how much the Avengers try to to prevent it, to destroy itself. So mm-hmm. Ultron eventually becomes uh, unsympathetic to the humankind and their struggles and decides that, you know, humankind probably isn't best for itself and the planet. And that's why the film was so disappointing, because Ultron is arguably the greatest threat that the Vien- the Avengers had ever faced. Yeah. That's probably that's probably comic book fans' biggest disappointment, is not only how Ultron was rushed, but how unthreatening he seems from that movie. Because they pretty much engage with him twice in the film, and just the first time they have a little bit of a skirmish, nobody's in serious danger, it seems like. And then Ultron kind of flies away or whatever. And then the second time that they encounter him, they just handily kick his ass with no real effort. Especially with the the robot clones of him. Yeah, like, and it's just You would not... figure the robot clones would be about as tough as him and they're just like paper. Yeah, it's just not compelling or it, it just didn't make for good cinema. Contrast that with... You know, Vincent D'Onofrio's portrayal of Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin. He was the kind of villain that could actually exist. But at the same time, he had that cartoonish level of just being over-the-top evil, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just... He was fucking insidious. Like, he just... Anytime he was scheming or really on screen, just... Your skin crawled. You just had that kind of visceral reaction that, you know, you were just watching somebody who had descended into pure evil. And it was absolutely wonderful to watch that. What what an, what a villain. Like, what an amazing force for this new up-and-coming hero to come up against. It's a, it's a joy to watch throughout the season where he starts out, he has kind of ulterior motives but he's also very business savvy and is kind of running a tight ship with his whole crime syndicate Mm -hmm. but over time throughout the series more and more personal factors come into play and the whole kingdom starts to kind of crumble around him and he has to kind of make a choice between you know sliding down that slippery slope or trying to get his shit together, like as Madame Gal said in the series, to to set his house in order. And, of course, he chooses to more or less drop off the deep end and just becomes a complete fucking maniac by the end of it. Supporting cast-wise, we had uh, Foggy Nelson and Karen Page and Ben Yurick, I guess, would also technically be considered a supporting cast member. Yeah. And don't forget Stick. Stick was great. Oh, yeah, Stick, yeah. Uh, and Wesley. Let's throw Wesley in there, too. You know, what were your thoughts on all their characters? Um, I thought the supporting cast was excellent. Foggy acts as such a great kind of foil to for Daredevil because he starts out being very much against this, just against the notion that there is a vigilante in Hell's Kitchen. And, you know, throughout the series, of course, he discovers that the, the vigilante happens to also be his best friend, mm-hmm. who may have not been completely honest with him over the course of their friendship. It's really interesting to watch his story arc. Of course, he doesn't have the superhero chops. He's just kind of 
like he's just kind of there incidentally because of his association with Matt Murdock, but he sort of acts as the Daredevil's conscience in a way. And I I thought his character was very interesting. Good point with the, the conscience, because I didn't really think about that when I was watching it. Having him being against a vigilante makes sense, considering his character being a lawyer. And he very much believes in the idea that the United States government and our legal system is a self-correcting system and that we don't need to go outside the law to seek justice. And watching him throughout the series kind of see these incredibly dangerous forces at play that are already outside the law and the law can't readily answer and watching him come to kind of understand that a character like Daredevil is somewhat necessary was really interesting. What about somebody like Karen Page who has no idea who Matt Mur like who Matt Murdock really is, who who is an innocent bystander to the whole Daredevil thing? Yeah, she the first contact that she has with them is that the Daredevil saves her life pretty much. So she ends up becoming the target of the Union Allied Corporation, who she had been in the employee of. And she found out about some shady dealings that were going on there and was a whistleblower. And then they send out actually a hitman to silence her pretty much. And the Daredevil stops them. So from the very beginning, she's pretty much her character is the antithesis of Foggy because where Foggy is very much against the idea that we need a vigilante, Karen is very much in favor of it because she was the the first person to really directly benefit from it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to watch their personalities and their attitudes play off of each other as Foggy shifts more towards the thinking that we need the Daredevil to be the vigilante and the hero that New York needs, whereas Karen shifts more towards... We need to act within the law and expose to the populace, to like the the regular people in the town, that, you know, this is what's going on and kind of draw that evil into the light of day as a way of preventing it, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like Foggy would have come to that conclusion on his own if Matt hadn't turned out to be the Daredevil? Or do you think that Matt being the Daredevil is the reason that Foggy came to that conclusion. It's hard to say, because in the series, whenever Foggy does find out that Matt is the Daredevil, they have this huge confrontation, and there's pretty much an entire episode dedicated to Foggy just saying, oh, you lied to me, you're a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, as the situation in Hell's Kitchen escalated, and Wilson Fisk's plan moved forward. Who who's to say really where the tipping point is where, you know, the law ends and the need for vigilantes begins. So just touching on two more characters before we move into Jessica Jones, uh, Stick and Ben York. What were your thoughts on those characters? Oh man, I I loved Stick. Anytime he was on screen, he's just such a a perfect asshole character that. <laughs> because <laughs> he's really great he's a great fighter and obviously he trains 
he trains Matt Murdock to be a fighter yeah. and kind of inspires him to take up the mantle of being the Daredevil. He morally he's the complete opposite side of the coin from Daredevil. So Matt Murdock is completely unwilling to kill and he thinks that you know it kind of in a similar fashion to Batman like if he ever would cross that line that he would become the very evil that he's trying to stop mm -hmm. whereas Stick views killing as more kind of natural and more necessary like you were saying Stick is the asshole mentor that you're kind of looking for when it comes to something like Daredevil where you know Everyone else is all boohoo. Oh, you can't see anymore. I'm sorry. That really sucks. Stick is like, hey, doofus, fucking learn how to use the gift that you've been given to be able to see more than you ever could have seen. You know, so like, it's he's he's not. I, I guess he's not the asshole mentor. He's the tough love mentor because what he's saying in general is, you know, correct, with the with the exception of how. Murdoch considers human life to be more valuable than, you know, just ending it like Stick would. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, where Matt, you know, it shows him as a child whenever he's first trained by Stick, he thinks that losing his sight is, you know, kind of the end of his life in a way. Like, he thinks that, you know, he's lost so much by losing his sight Whereas Stick kind of comes in and tells him, you haven't lost one sense so much as you focused your others, and I'm going to teach you how to turn that into a weapon. So what did you think about the character of Ben Urich on the show? I'm surprised his race change didn't infuriate people, considering how the whole Zendaya casting as Mary Jane Watson has infuriated people. Mm -hmm. You know, Ben Yurick historically has been a white guy at a paper, and in Daredevil, the Netflix series, he is a black guy at a paper. I I didn't know that. I I never actually saw Ben Yurick in the comics, so I never had that kind of frame of reference to go off for the character. So that's interesting. Honest to God, his his race doesn't matter. Well, yeah, like, if, if they had made Daredevil black, like, I wouldn't have given a shit. Yeah. As long as the character and his motivations are the same, that's all that really matters. And, and, and really, that's my, my whole thought with, especially the Zendaya thing, is the character going to be well-written and good? Is it going to be well-portrayed? As long as those two bubbles are filled in, it doesn't matter what race somebody is to me. Absolutely. I'm I'm not sure the actor's name that played Ben Yurick, but I thought his portrayal was absolutely wonderful. He brought so much to the show. He was one of the characters that I cared the most about. Like, even possibly more so than Karen or Foggy in the show. That, like, whenever his character kind of reached the end of his arc, that, you know, I had it had such an impact on me viewing it that... It was it was at the same time unsettling and also kind of fulfilling what happened because just watching him go through his whole journey was just an absolute joy. 
Caleb, any finishing thoughts on Daredevil before we move into Jessica Jones? Well, I actually wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on the second season, because, you know, season one of Daredevil kind of wrapped everything up with a, a nice, neat bow, and, you know, the story was complete. And when season two and takes up, a lot of things changed within the story, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that. How much time do you have? I got a few minutes. Alright, let me flip off my glasses real quick. <laughs> I was posting about this on Twitter earlier. Whenever a story is dealing with a Punisher, the show's great. The show is full of suspense. It's full of intrigue. It's full of action. It's full of great stuff. But... When you hit the end of episode 4 of season 2 and you are introduced to Elektra, the show grinds to a fucking halt. Because Elektra, in my opinion, is, along with Harley Quinn, one of the worst comic book characters of all time. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'm, I've never really been a fan of Elektra. I think Jennifer Garner probably has something to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> but season two overall, I I loved it still, regardless of that. I'm only through episode ten right now because, I really, because of Electra. I oh I, wow. I've restarted I've restarted season two three times. I've gotten to episode four tw- like three times now and quit. Because I like to pretend the Punisher getting arrested was the end of season two. (laughs) You're missing out on so much. She's so boring. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I've... Obviously, like, she's she's integral to who Daredevil is as a character. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, she herself is not interesting in any way and I just don't like her as a character and never have I like the portrayal I think the portrayal is pretty good I think her writing is good in season 2 I think both of those things are good I just don't like the character I think the char- like she the character has to be in it because only the character can force Matt Murdock to kind of sort of give up on his lawyer career but I hate that Electra's in it. Do you think that the show would have benefited if they had left Electra out entirely, or maybe just kind of had hints of her, but had the main focus of the season be on Daredevil playing against Punisher throughout the season? All I can judge it off of is what we have. So it's it's difficult to say, well, would the Punisher story have worked if we had it stretched out over the entire season? I mean, obviously we do. We have the whole Punisher trial, and then post-release. Just based off that, like all, like I said, all the Punisher stuff is extremely interesting. It's just that anytime Electra's on the screen, I'm just so bored. Because it's just like, I I can't, I can't with this character. I just Yeah, can't. fair enough. It's fine that she was there for me, mm-hmm. but she was by no means a highlight. No. I, I'm going to keep repeating, it's not the actress's fault. It's it's really not. It's just no, because she was fine. It's just that the character is entirely uninteresting. I would say she's great, but she, the character is just so uninteresting. It's not compelling to watch. I thought 
John Barenthal or, as you and I like to know him, Craig Blosser. <laughs> Our friend Craig looks exactly like him and owns probably over, I would say he probably owns over 10,000 guns. <laughs> I remember watching The Walking Dead and thinking, man, John Bernthal is playing a really good asshole right now. Like, he's just, Shane's just a really big asshole. And I stopped watching Walking Dead when they got to the farmhouse and didn't do anything for an entire season. I'm I'm kind of glad he left the show so he could do this because, man, he is just way good as the Punisher. But yeah, no, I, I love John Bernthal. Uh, I like... Charlie Cox was great again because the whole Punisher trial puts the strain on the whole Nelson and Murdoch. And it's not just, you know, Nelson and Murdoch themselves. It's also Karen. Like they, they like that whole trial throws all three of them into the wind. And it's just like, well, what are you guys going to do from here? And based off of spoilers that I read, Foggy goes off to do his own thing. Matt's kind of left in flux, and Karen kind of accepts a job at the paper as, you know, an investigative reporter. Yeah, Nelson and Murdoch kind of dissolves for a little bit during season two. Caleb, I've gone on enough about a strong female Marvel character. Let's move on to Jessica Jones, another strong female Marvel character. And one that's actually interesting. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> What did you think about that whole that series as a whole? I'll say this to kind of contrast it against Daredevil. I was I was so hyped over Daredevil that pretty much as soon as Jessica Jones came out, I I started watching the series right away, and I got a few episodes in, and it just never really had that moment that grabbed a hold of me like Daredevil did instantly. So I went. A long time, actually, without finishing the series, where, you know, not that it wasn't good or anything, yeah. it's just that it didn't have that moment that really hooked me and drew me into it. I did not finish watching Jessica Jones until probably a month or so after Daredevil Season 2 came out. Because I had the same problem, and it wasn't, like, a whole timing issue, it was just that, like... I knew I needed to watch it. I don't want to say it felt like a chore to watch it, but it almost felt like I forced myself to keep going in it, knowing that at some point it, that show was going to get good. And, and, and it's not like it wasn't good from the get-go, because it was good from the get-go. It was just that, when is this show going to really catch my attention? Right, and don't get me wrong, because it it is a great show, and I absolutely loved it. Whereas Daredevil is a great action drama. I was very much expecting the same kind of thing from Jessica Jones, but what I got was more of kind of a film noir mystery type of show, which is absolutely wonderful. It's great. It's great TV. But just because my expectations were different from what the end result was... It kind of jarred me a little bit, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it took me a while to really get hooked on it. I had the same problem because, you know, 
coming off of Daredevil, it's more consistent with that with what you would see with your normal superhero kind of stuff. And then Jessica Jones is more like what you would see in like 30s and 40s filmmaking, where it is that, you know, film noir type of style detective drama. So, and not having any notion of what Jessica Jones is, that was kind of off, like, I don't want to say off-putting, but like, I don't really have a good word for what it was, but it didn't really engross me in the show until, you know, we got more introduced to David Tennant's character of Kilgrave. The thing is, like, I don't want to say that it the show wasn't incredible because it, it was very, very good, but it just kind of, I guess I kind of had to wait until I was ready to watch a show like that. Yeah, because no, I, was, I agree. I was kind of expecting that action drama where, you know, I didn't really get that, so I had to kind of check out some other shows, and then once I wanted to watch, a like, a gritty crime mystery kind of noir thing, I went back to it and absolutely loved the show and enjoyed the shit out of it. Let's get into characters really quick. Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones. Just the portrayal of Jessica Jones... I just love how she's such a complete misanthrope. She just hates everybody, doesn't believe in society, just thinks that pretty much everybody in the world, including herself, is a complete shitbag. And just getting to see a superhero with that kind of attitude was wonderful. <laughs> it, was, it was almost anti-hero-ish, and it's something that I can definitely empathize with. That's kind of how I see the world as a person that is not, you know, all too happy with how the world is going. Because we're on Netflix and Swell and we hate ourselves. I mean, it's a prerequisite for being on this podcast is you must hate yourself. (laughs) But we like ourselves slightly more than we like anybody else. (laughs) See, I I thought she was really good. She kind of had that anti-hero feel where she didn't really believe in saving the world because she didn't give a shit. Mm -hmm. She just wanted to stop Kilgrave because she personally hates him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The best way to stop a a supervillain is to just hate him yourself. So what did you think of Trish Walker, her best friend on the show? I thought she was... You know, similar to how Foggy Nelson is the foil to Matt Murdock, she was the foil to Jessica Jones in that... In a lot of the series, she was her conscience, more or less. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, she kind of was... Because Jessica has this sort of uh, primal need to protect her, she was a lot of the driving force for why Jessica was trying to be a hero and trying to be a good person throughout the series. So I thought she was a really good character within the show. What were your thoughts on the whole character arc of Ruben, the next-door neighbor, I guess? I thought he was great. When the show begins, he's just sort of her neighbor. Obviously, he's an addict, and you don't really think much of him watching the show. But he ends up 
taking on more of a major role as the series progresses. Mm-hmm. And you really take an emotional stake kind of in his story arc and in his recovery. So I thought he was a really cool character, actually. It's, I guess, a less realistic version of how an addict would be recovering. Because I know addicts, I know a couple addicts, and it... It's a long process, you know. The show seemed to shorten his whole recovery process as just a way to keep the show moving, to keep it within a concise timeline, but... Right, because his entire recovery took about an episode. Yeah, it was just like, hey, here's one episode where we're just gonna, like, tie you down, get you past your cravings, and then move on. Knowing some addicts myself... Uh, I know it's it's a way tougher struggle than it was portrayed in the show, but I understand why the show had to kind of blow past that because it needed to move on from that arc so right. that it could continue to tell the story that it wanted to tell. Because when you're an addict, you're never really cured. You just mm-hmm. stop using. Yeah. And I'm sure at some point in season two, which I'm 100% sure there's going to be a season two, we're going to get another uh, a temptation of Ruben, for lack of a better term. But overall, I thought Ruben's character arc was interesting because he went from being almost despondent to accountable. Yeah, and very much she probably would have ab- abandoned her quest entirely if it wouldn't have been for her, for him pushing her to stay the course, more or less. So what did you think about David Tennant's portrayal of Kilgrave within the show? A.K.A. within the actual Marvel comics as the Purple Man, which thankfully they didn't actually make him purple on the show. They just made him wear a purple suit. There are certain liberties you can take. I don't think making somebody totally purple is is the way to go with that. <laughs> it would have been so bad. If you remember... Guardians of the Galaxy, the the servant chicks who were, I guess, mauve or something. I don't yeah. know. I'm channeling. I'm channeling my inner interior decorator here by saying <laughs> mauve. What the fuck is mauve? I don't. It was explained in an episode of Hey Arnold, and I can't remember what that was. Like what the explanation was, but they were. It would. I feel like it would look like that but more shitty considering it's a Netflix original series. So I'm glad they just went with like purple suits. Like you said, you know, you and I both know David Tennant as the 10th doctor. Is that right? Yeah. And that was, that was such an amazing reference that they made on Jessica Jones where, you know, Kilgrave referenced something about being like, Oh, I've, I've blah, 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 whatever from the time I was 10 and Jessica says, you're not 10 anymore. And it just so shows David Tennant, like leaning back, like, all right, whatever. But like <laughs> he was, he was the 10th, he was the 10th portrayal of Dr. Who. So it's like, literally like, you're not 10 anymore. And he was just like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't catch that. That's a good catch, dude. Yeah, no, it was it was such a clever kind of pun, just kind of a reference to uh, his time, obviously, on Doctor Who, which is what he's best known for. 
his portrayal was definitely interesting compared to his Doctor Who tenure. I was surprised at how well he played a villain. I guess when you're playing a villain, and this is true, I like wrestling, so I'll preface it with that. Uh, wrestlers seem to have more fun when they're playing the villain than when they're playing the you know good guy. He seemed to definitely have more fun and more range with the whole villain aspect of his character as opposed to with Doctor Who. You know, yeah, he is kind of goofy, but he still has that kind of moral code that he has to adhere to. So seeing him kind of stretch out himself into a more villainous role was interesting to see. Definitely, and I was blown away by it. You know, having only really known him from Doctor Who, I didn't anticipate him necessarily nailing the character as much when he was playing the villain. Right. And I thought it was it was absolutely wonderful because as his portrayal as Doctor Who, he may be sometimes somewhat cold and calculating. But he's always the white knight. Like, he's always trying to achieve a good end. Whereas Kilgrave, just because of he acquired his powers very early in his life and was a kid and never really learned that selfishness is bad, necessarily, he very much was self-serving. And as they went through the series and Jessica tried to kind of teach him that like no it's not okay to just be a fucking self-serving asshole constantly he was just like well why no and that's like the the biggest part about his his character is that you know he's just kind of doing things to do them as long as it benefits him it, it just seems like he like you said he's just serving himself like he's just taking control of people to serve himself and serve his own needs as opposed to, you know, doing the her- the quote-unquote heroic thing and using his powers to help people. He's just a selfish person. As, as a villain, obviously, I think Wilson Fisk is a much more interesting villain, and he's a great character. Kilgrave was never what I would call a major villain within the comics. But that being said, I think he was definitely a wonderful villain to have on the first season of this show, and a great challenge for Jessica to have to overcome throughout the season. Caleb, we're going to be talking about him soon, but I want to get your opinion on Luke Cage. What were your thoughts on him after this whole Jessica Jones series? Given that, obviously, the next kind of one-shot superhero series that they're doing on Netflix is going to be Luke Cage. I thought that it was great that they introduced him within the context of another superhero show. We already got to explore the character a little bit because Jessica Jones is not necessarily as well-known. So whenever they had the first trailers for Marvel's Jessica Jones, it was like, oh, okay, everybody... It's like, oh, okay, Marvel is making a new a new Netflix original, whatever. And they didn't necessarily care that it's Jessica Jones. But anybody who's watched Jessica Jones now is familiar with the character already. 
So they're going to be like, oh, fuck yeah, Luke Cage is getting a solo show. And that's awesome. Like, that's a great way to introduce the character. Overall, I loved watching his character throughout the show. Whereas Jessica is a misanthrope and just doesn't really care about anybody else. He cares about people, but he's very much jaded and doesn't necessarily let people get close to him. So the way that the two of them interacted was pretty interesting. Of course, in the comics, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones end up getting married. Hey, spoilers! Well, I mean, fucking Google it. Come on. <laughs> it's 20 goddamn 16. Uh, that, does, that mean I can, <laughs> does that mean I can spoil the loose plot of Suicide Squad? Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> Suicide Squad was a bad movie. Did you finally see that? No, I won't. I probably will never see it. <laughs> but no, I thought I thought he was really cool. I liked how because he's a man with unbreakable skin, he essentially can't be destroyed. But later in the season, you know, he's injured in such a way where it's more of a blunt force trauma instead of something penetrating him because obviously like he's bulletproof. But still, like, if he would get hit by a truck or something, that would fuck him up. The issue becomes not so much that, you know, he's been injured. Th like, the issue is, we can't operate on him now that he's injured, because he's unbreakable. Right. And I thought that was really interesting. Like, hey, alright, scalpel. Alright, I can't seem to cut this guy. I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> Can't I can't give him. him an IV. I guess he's just gonna sit here and die. <laughs> but but obviously, like you know, it's he's he's a superhero too. Like it's it's a rough life, so he ends up getting pretty fucked up throughout the course of the series. But just kind of that idea that his superpower at that point was working against him was really interesting and not something that you get to see a lot in those type of series. Kayla, we have talked enough about past Marvel properties. Let's talk about the future here. What are you expecting out of Luke Cage? Still not sure what I am. I'm just living my life day to day. You should be out there helping people. You think I asked for any of this? I was put in some tank like an exotic fish. Came out with abilities. I just want to be left the hell alone. Well, that would be a waste. Harlem, perpetual symbol of hope and prosperity. Too much happens in the shadows. People fear what they can't see. Our reputation, our legacy, our blood. Hit every businessman, squeeze them hard. Everybody wants to be the king. Sometimes, if you want justice, you have to get it yourself. Wah! Hungry arms. Give us the money. I don't like your tone. 
I've got you. Ooh. I'm from a city where having a heart is not suggested. I'm a maverick attacking backs. I'm a savage. I'm cleaning braces with tongue and vacuum. You want to go to war? I'll take you to war. You might be bulletproof. The Harlemate. This city is supposed to represent our hopes and dreams. You have to fight for what's right every single day. Why don't you just tell us your name? Neighborhood is yapping about how two goons got the beat down last night. I heard it was four guys. <laughs> so the trailer got me pretty hyped for it. There are a few things that I really hope that they do in the series overall. Obviously, Daredevil and Jessica Jones both took place in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, Luke Cage now is actually, it's going to take place in the neighborhood of Harlem rather than Hell's Kitchen. Does that mean we're going to get to see the Harlem Globetrotter show up? Yeah, they may be actually the uh, the villains. That would actually, uh, that'd be pretty they... baller. <laughs> that'd be pretty fucking awesome. What I'm hoping that means is that they're going to limit or basically have no cameos of the characters from the other shows. Yeah, other than Rosario Dawson. Yeah, because I'd really like to see Luke Cage kind of stand on his own, and since this is his big solo debut. Yeah, so, yeah same with me. Other than, other than just Luke Cage being himself, I don't really have many expectations other than for this to be good. Because, uh, despite all the faults I find with season two of Daredevil, I feel like everything Netflix Marvel has been at least good so far. So, oh yeah, I like I said, I'm just expecting something good out of Luke Cage, whatever it is. The villains for the other two series have been really great so far. So I'd like to see some kind of huge kind of obstacle for him to have to overcome. A really cool villain that they really go back and spend some time on and develop like they have in the other series. I don't know exactly who that might be, but what I was kind of thinking since, you know, he's a man with unbreakable skin, he's effectively, he can't be destroyed. So a good type of villain for him would be something more cerebral, maybe, that he has to try to outthink this villain and overcome them that way because when you think of Luke Cage you don't really think of you know he's obviously street smart but he doesn't have the heightened senses of Daredevil and he doesn't have the sort of private eye background that Jessica Jones has so kind of having a villain that would force him to to take on that challenge as well would be really interesting for him. I think we're. It looks like we're just gonna get a regular guy, honestly. I mean, just based off of what the trailers have shown me, it looks like we're just gonna get a regular human being. So, as opposed to having you know Wilson Fisk, who is uncharacteristically strong, 
Like it's it's ridiculous how strong that man is. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kilgrave, who has his superpowers of just being able to control people. I mean, if we could get a villain similar to Kilgrave, like you were saying, I th- I think that'd be great. But I'm not sure if we're gonna get like he'll yeah he'll be cerebral, but I'm not sure if we're gonna get a superpowered villain this time. Either way is fine as long as it kind of challenges him on that other axis that he may not necessarily be prepared for. Another thing that I'd really like to see is some sort of tie-in with the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe. Of course, in Jessica Jones, they mention the, uh, they mention the invasion of New York, and that's kind of a plot point for, like, an episode of, you know, how many how many super-powered individuals are actually operating in New York at the time and all that, and people are freaking out about it since the whole invasion happened. But I'd, I'd kind of like to see maybe another character show up, like Paul Rudd's already done something with Netflix, so maybe Ant-Man shows up mm-hmm. in Luke Cage, you know? Something like that. It's not something that I'm really married to that idea like I want him to to pretty much stand on his own but having something to tie in these series just so that we know that Marvel isn't just abandoning these heroes on Netflix that they're going to be part of this larger world of the films and everything. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm not sure if we need that though. I mean your your final point of abandoning them abandoning them on Netflix. Yeah, that that makes sense, like, you want to tie it back in, but... Yeah, not necessarily. Abandoning's probably the wrong word, but I think that, you know, having the possibility that in the Spider-Man movie, Daredevil's just gonna show up, or whatever, would be... would make me more excited to see that film, you know? Yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that that happens at some point, but... Yeah, we. I think you're right in that we kinda need something to know that the world isn't just forgetting about these characters and it's not just centralized around New York City that it yeah or even just a villain that kind of crosses over you know the final thing that i really hope to see out of Luke Cage is some really awesome extended fight sequences that last for several minutes just really cool over the top action sequences that was definitely a highlight of watching Daredevil, of course, in the first season they have that. In the second episode, the uh, hallway fight scene, where he's just whooping dudes' asses left and right, yeah. and the camera's kind of at that fixed position, and they're jumping back and forth between rooms, knocking people through doors and all that shit, and it was really great to watch. And then, in the second season, of course, they had the the stairway fight where they sort of replicated that feel and just had this really long over-the-top fight sequence where he was just beating dudes with a chain and all that shit. That scene was so, so badass. I love that scene uh, it's so much. so good. And I love just leading up to that, he knows that he's surrounded, and he's just walking down the hall, whipping the chain up and knocking out all the lights so that he has cover of darkness mm-hmm. because he'll be able to see them, but they can't see him. It was so great. So I'd I'd really like to see something similar with this. I want to see just some some knockdown drag out 
brawls where Luke Cage is just whooping wholesale ass. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything to really add to that. You know, I think combat's been pretty good so far in the Netflix Marvel series, so I expect that to take it to stay consistent. Whoever's the fight choreographer on Daredevil, they deserve a raise. Because, I mean, those fights are always <laughs> awesome. Just always. But as far as Luke Cage, I think that pretty much wraps up what I'm expecting slash hoping for from the show. I have nothing really else to add, so we'll hop into another promo break really quick, and then we're going to add Nick back into the call, and we'll get his thoughts on the Netflix rate height, uh, and what he's looking forward to watching from what's coming and going on Netflix in September. All right. All right, so see you after the break. All right, Geek Joker Podcast. Yeah, I'm waiting. We were doing a promo. Oh, shit. Hi everybody, this is Knock. I'm Wave. Rah rah! And listen to us on the Geek Yogurt Podcast every Wednesday. Yeah. Facebook? Yes, you Facebook. can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Geek Yogurt Podcast and on Twitter at Yogurt Podcast. Spaghetti! Just Yogurt Podcast? <laughs> yes, at okay. Yogurt Podcast. At Yogurt Podcast. Yay. I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> I wanted to cut a damn promo. Well, fuck you then. <laughs> Your guide to cinema etiquette for the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews Podcast. Question 17. When choosing a seat at a largely empty movie cinema, do you... A. Sit directly in front of another person. B. Sit right alongside a couple clearly enamored with one another. Or C. Take a seat away from other patrons that afford you a good you. If you answered A or B, fuck you. For more useful cinema etiquette, join Paul and Wayne on the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast at Podomatic on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Yes, they came out a story from the Bible. I tell you to open your mouth? Let him talk. Don't mean nothing. I'm not a religious man, but I've read bits and pieces over the years. Curiosity more than faith. But this one story. It was a man. He, he was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was set upon by men of ill intent. They stripped the traveler of his clothes. They beat him. And they left him bleeding in the dirt. And the priest happened by. saw the traveler. They moved to the other side of the road and continued on. And then a Levite, a religious functionary, came to the place, saw the dying traveler. But he too moved to the other side of the road and passed him by. But then came a man from Samaria, Samaritan, a good man. He saw the, the traveler bleeding in the road and he stopped to aid him without thinking of the circumstance or the difficulty it might bring him. The Samaritan tended to the traveler's wounds, applying oil and wine. He, he carried him to an inn, gave him all the money he had for the owner to take care of the traveler as the Samaritan. He continued on his journey. He did this simply because the, the traveler was his neighbor. 
He loved his city and all the people in it. I always thought that I was the Samaritan in that story. It's funny, isn't it? How even the best of men can be deceived by their true nature. What the hell does that mean? It means that I'm not the Samaritan. That I'm like the priest or the Levite. That I am the ill intent who set upon the traveler on a road that he should not have been on. Welcome back, everybody. Nick, welcome back, sir. Hi. Nick, we're going to be talking about Netflix and its rate hike, but I don't know anything about that. Caleb, why don't you tell me all about that? Well, basically, the rates are going up. I'm not sure what it's going to be internationally, but in the U.S., their standard HD service is going from $7.99 U.S. to $9.99 U.S. Canceling my subscription. <laughs> so, basically, the plans that they're going to have now, they still will have a plan for $7.99, but it's not high definition, it's standard definition only. A.K.A. Um, useless. Yeah. And only streaming to one device at a time. Their $9.99, which is their standard HD service, will have, as I said, HD available, and you'll be able to stream to two devices simultaneously. And then the premium HD will be $11.99, and it has streaming up to 4K... HD, and you can stream to four devices simultaneously. That's actually not bad. 12 bucks to get 4K streaming, that's pretty good. As as I said, up to, like, the content has to actually be in 4K yeah, for right, that to right. work, but uh, a lot of people are upset because they are raising their rates, but the trade-off for that is that you know, they've been making originals like crazy, and they just spent $120 million on the get-down, so... You love that number, don't you? Yeah, it's... it's that's all you talk it's, about. It's a big number. <laughs> and I think their strategy... Correct me if I'm wrong, Caleb, but their strategy is they want to release, like, a new season or a new original series, like, weekly, don't they? Yeah, they're incredibly ambitious with that right now. And it's great for them, too, because the more original content they put out, Kind of, not necessarily they have to pay less in licensing fees to have other content on, but, you know, it kind of alleviates a bit that, you know, we have this exclusive content that no one else can have, and we don't have to really pay to keep having it on here, because they've already, you know, they created the show themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know, if the if the trade-off is I pay $2 more a month and... I get more stuff like the Get Down or Daredevil or Stranger Things or whatever. Then, then that's that's fine with me. I mean, here's here's my thing on it. Why the hell are people pissed off about two goddamn dollars? It's two dollars, first of all. I guarantee. But it's twenty four dollars a year. I don't give a fuck. That's I guarantee that's, that's you... four Chipotle's. 
I guarantee you that you spend $2 a month on something way stupider than Netflix. And the $8 you're already paying, you're like, think of the hours and hours and hours of entertainment you're getting every single month. And obviously, I, I just think it's, I think it's crazy that people are upset about it. Right. And that segues into the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is just kind of the state of Netflix and other streaming services contrasted against kind of where cable and things like that are at and whether that is still a good value. I would say yes. Value-wise, Netflix is, you know, at $10 a month. I don't even know how much I use Netflix, but even if I use it for an hour a day at $10 a month, that's 30 hours for $10 of entertainment. Yeah, no, I don't I don't understand the the problems with it either. I mean, you're paying 80 bucks for cable and you don't even use it most of the time. Like there are people I know that just don't even use their TV. They just watch Netflix. You're spending 80 bucks a month so you can DVR a whole bunch of shows that you'll then delete when you need to DVR other shows without watching them. Right. And compare that to any other major form of entertainment. Like if you go out and buy a new video game, that's 60 bucks. If you go to the movies, even a movie ticket, if you're not going to a matinee, just a regular show is like 11, 12 blocks or more, depending Mm -hmm. on where you are. And that's an hour and a half, two hours. If you buy a new video game for $60, it'll be maybe 8 to 12 hours average to play through a game. Mm -hmm. That's not as good of a value as this, because it's one time you get that entertainment once. Like, you can go back and replay the game, obviously, or resell the game or whatever. But still, it's for what you're getting, $10 a month is very cheap. And, like, like you were saying, going to the movies, I took Vanessa and her niece and nephew out to the movies last weekend, and we all saw Pete's Dragon, and it ended up being $51 for the four of us to go see a movie. Of course, we got, you know, concessions and whatever, too, but that's $51 for, you know, two hours of entertainment. Whereas this is $10 for as many hours as I can fit in, basically. Yeah, I can only continue to marvel at the flat-out ignorance of people that complain about a $2 increase per month. I mean, I could see if they were, like, doubling or tripling the price of the, like, the HD subscription plan. But, Jesus Christ. Well, $2? No, Numbers Nick, are difficult. It makes change. People don't like change. Sit. <laughs> Two dollars. Well, can. Like, I don't know. You can look at it as two dollars, or you can look at it as twenty-five percent, which seems a lot scarier. I don't care, <laughs> Nick. I know you care, because that two dollars could go to uh, the dollar menu at McDonald's and get you some double cheeses. I no, he's not here. I'm trying to summon him. No, it's not worth it. Trust me. Try. Smearing some uh, fucking Big Mac sauce on your door in the shape of a pentagram. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to surround my apartment with a small moat of like a really, really pricey beer. Yeah, spritz some PBR on it, you know. I think maybe you could get like a giant water bottle, like sort of like they have for hamsters. Just fill it with PBR and hang it outside somewhere. No. Yeah. 
as I was saying, I think Netflix is still a very good value, and if an extra two dollars a month is going to fund more more content, then it's well worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a win 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 all around, especially because Netflix's original series are like things like Stranger Things and. I haven't checked out the Get Down yet, but based on you guys' recommendation, I definitely will be. So the quality of the original programming they have, I mean, two extra dollars a month for more of that? Yeah, sign me up. Well, speaking of Netflix original content, let's move on to what is coming to Netflix for the month of September. Guys, I sent you over a list. I don't want to run down the whole thing because, dear God, would that take forever. Uh, what's... Yeah, we can do highlights. Yeah. Uh, Nick, for you, we have Footloose coming out on the 1st. Fuck you. <laughs> Trying to see what else. Well, uh, we've got Jaws, Jaws 2, Jaws 3, and Jaws the Revenge all being added on the first also. Mustin Mesquivel just came himself. <laughs> also, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the uh, lesser of the two Bill and Ted films by a wide margin, but <laughs> still still a fun, fun movie to watch. Uh, also, the, see. the IT Crowd Series 5, which I don't know if that where that fell into... Yeah, that's that's the newer one, I believe. They actually went back and started making new episodes of the IT Crowd. Oh, so. really? Yep. Is it with, it's, it's not like with the Americans? It's like Roy? No, and... it's, it's the original cast. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, then I'm down for that. So that's the new one, actually. Saving Private Ryan. Oh, wow. That's a big one. Yeah, uh, Scary Top Movie Gun. 2, Sweeney Todd. Top Gun for the 30th anniversary. That's awesome. Yeah. The original True Grit. Yep. Everybody's skipping over Sam Kinison breaking the rules, which is baller as fuck. That's a great <laughs> special. We got The Wicker Man. Not the bees! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so that's all stuff coming out on September 1st. Anything... We have a ton of Netflix originals coming out on September 2nd. Considering that's a Friday, that makes sense. Nothing really that I would be interested in, but there are four originals coming out. Yeah, Narcos is well-received, so Season 2 coming out is pretty pretty notable, but that's not something I've ever watched. Then, on the 6th... We have the fine movie Crash. Yeah, the 2004 film Crash. I... Never watched it. It's I know it's just okay. Yeah, I know a lot of people who liked it. So I watched it on uh, HBO one time <laughs> in the dorm room, and it was just fine. I was and I looked it up online. And I was like, this this won an Emmy, and I'm just like, really? What the fuck came out in 2004? This won the fucking Emmy for Best Picture. Hmm. It? it won the Oscar for Best Picture. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, Emmys are free music. You're, that's the Grammys, you idiot. <laughs> No, Emmys are for TV. Yeah, that's right. I don't know. I don't want to those because they're stupid. Yay! September 10th, Supergirl Season 1's coming. Hooray! Yeah! Even though, I gotta say, when when I watched, like, a few bits and pieces of that show, I never actually watched, like, a full episode of it, but I just... It's way over the top. Even for a comic book show, it's just... It's a little bit too over the top for me. I just, I don't know. Melissa Benoist is really hot, though. So, that's incentive to watch, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, September 13th. Try to keep keep your reviews unbiased, sir. 
<laughs> September 13th, we have Extremis, which is not Marvel-related at all. I looked it up. It's um, just like an ICU show. So I don't know if it's a se- uh, series mm-hmm. or a movie or not. I'm not sure. September 15th, Walking Dead Season 6. Boo! Are they still, How's that for bias? Are they still at the farm? <laughs> Nah, I think they left the farm. I think uh, you, you know where they still are. Mediocrity. Of of that's where. Three. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's one of those things. There's such a huge following for it. I just never really could get into it. It just doesn't really do it for me. Now, season one was good, but then when they just sat on the farm for 45 episodes in season two, I can't I just stand the show because it doesn't follow its own fucking rules. The rules by which the zombies exist waver depending on the needs of the plot, and that's just shit to me. <laughs> what if I told you that the Walking Dead are actually the people? Uh, I know. God damn it. Get the fuck. Hang up on him. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Bye, Caleb. <laughs> uh, I love my life. September 19th, we have Gotham Season 2, Nick's favorite show Ooh. of all time. Speaking of mediocrity, hey, New Girl Season 5 on September 20th. Speaking of awesomeness on September 20th, Zootopia. Yeah, that's something I wanted to see this uh, summer, but I just never got around to seeing it. So I know, I know somebody who's going to have a huge throbbing erection over that. <laughs> Lord Yiffington himself. <laughs> Uh, trying to see what else. There's not uh, a couple Netflix originals on the 22nd and 23rd. Ooh, Longmire season five on September 23rd. Portlandia season six, almost 24th. The big highlights for the end of the month though are going to be September 30th. Of course, we get Luke Cage, and then we also, for the slasher fans, get Scream season two, which that's the MTV series based on. The Scream film series. Nick, did you see Imitation Game? I did not. Insert joke about epic film guy, huh? I hope you die. Epic fail guy. Ah. Sigh. <laughs> okay. And guys, if you scroll down, there's actually everything that's leaving Netflix. Crocodile Dundee, no! Too fa- Shit, too watch fast, Crocodile Dundee now. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to catch Nick Cannon, Mr. Showbiz, before it leaves. Oh, fucking Zoolander's leaving. Right? Oh, shit. They're they're getting rid of RoboShark. I'll have to watch that for a one-star <laughs> review. Quick, hurry. <laughs> oh, fuck. My babysitter's a vampire of the movie on September 6th, so we still got a little bit of time. To oh, okay. that sounds glorious. Lilo and Stitch. I'm actually giving out serious answers. You guys are trolling the fuck out of this. Oh man, we're losing Spanglish. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, I'm actually mad about this. They're taking off the Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, same, I, same I watched day that Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, I watched that movie probably like once every two, three weeks. Oh man, not another gay movie. I can't believe that's leaving on the thirtieth. Son of a bitch. That's it, and nothing, nothing too remarkable really leaving. It seems like. Other than, you know, Lilo and Stitch and Melissa and Joey season 14. <laughs> well, we'll have to 
find a way to deal with it. Actually, on Try. September 24th, there's the uh, martial arts film The Forbidden Kingdom is leaving Netflix. It's the first movie that featured Jackie Chan and Jet Li starring together. And I watched it a few weeks ago, and it's actually pretty good if you're into that sort of thing. The uh, sort of martial arts fantasy epic. It focuses on the Chinese legend of the Monkey King, and it's pretty good. So if you're if you're into that kind of thing, try to catch that before it leaves. Nick, is there anything you really want to catch before it leaves? Like seriously, not. No, I have so little time anyway, and I really do have to catch the get down. So I'll probably switch over once we finish Mad Men. That's probably my next my next show to check out. I still, of course, you guys spend all this time talking about these Marvel Netflix series of which I've seen about four minutes of an episode of Daredevil season two when Dan was watching it yesterday. (laughs) And and incessantly bitching about Elektra. Why haven't you watched the Marvel series? I just haven't. I just... Is Ada... Because Ada's forcing you to watch Mad Men? No, it's just... I mean, I've had multiple What's the matter? Did... Did, did your balls drop off? I hate you. <laughs> there are any infinite number of times that I actually could have started watching any of those oh, yeah. Netflix series. But, you know, Marvel's cinematic stuff in theaters has been so much of a disappointment to me time and again. And no matter how many times I hear how amazing these are, and I'm sure they are. You know, I'm sure they are. But I will, you know, get around to them someday. I mean, they're Netflix originals, so that's the good thing. They're not going anywhere. They'll be there forever. Right. As somebody who very much believes that the Marvel films are at best hit and miss, it, it really, it's like night and day. As, as I was saying to Dan during our segment about that, just the serial format fits it so much better just because of what the source material is. And that's the way the news goes. Lick, lick, lick my balls. Say it all the time. well before we wrap up the episode i just wanted to mention another netflix original that i've been watching i haven't watched the whole series yet but it's flaked starring will arnett of arrested development and bojack horseman fame Mm -hmm. um kind of like how i was talking last week about paul rudd how i don't think he really acts i think that he just is that person I kind of feel the same way about Will Arnett. Like, I feel like he just is just kind of this lovable kind of shitbag who, like, fucks over all of his friends but doesn't necessarily mean to. Because <laughs> that's the kind of roles that he always seems to play. Yeah. But it's really good. He's, he li- he's living in Venice Beach, and he's a recovering alcoholic... And he can't drive because he actually, he's in AA because he struck and killed somebody. So he's kind of trying to go about his life, but he just kind of can't help but be a douche, I guess. Like I was saying, I've watched probably three, four episodes now. It's it's pretty entertaining. Mm. And you kind of, one layer at a time, get to see you know, kind of behind the scenes and what makes this character tick. In the first episode, you know, he gets around on a bicycle and he's riding it down this one street and this guy's walking down the road 
in the opposite direction. He's like, hey, asshole, it's a footpath. Like, get off your bike. And he's like, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't know, you know. So later on in the episode, he's pushing his bike down the street, and he sees somebody coming on the bike, and he's like, hey, asshole, it's a walking path. Just like, it's just that kind of thing where he's kind of a big hypocrite. Yeah. But you can tell, like, he really cares about his friends, but he just cares about himself a little bit more. And obviously the show is called Flaked, so it's a lot about him kind of making commitments to people that he can't follow through with. So if you like BoJack Horseman, if you're a fan of Will Arnett as I am, check it out. It's pretty good. All right. Sounds good. I would give it four stars. I don't care what you think. (laughs) That about wraps it up, so let's talk pimping stuff. Nick, we'll start with you. What do you want to pimp? Fuck swords! Okay, Caleb. No, Nick, uh, Twitter, Facebook, that kind of shit. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) Say say words. Nick, thank you for being on the show today. I don't thank him for anything. (laughs) I fucking hate you, Dan. Uh, Yeah, no, thank you guys very much for having me on the show. Uh, you can find us, of course, over at EpicFilmGuys.com. Find the show on Podbean, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Epic Film Guys, and literally anywhere you can find podcasts, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iTunes. We're there. So just search for the Epic Film Guys, and you shall find us. Actually, I was laughing the other week. I don't know if this is still true or not, but I Googled Netflix and Swill just to see if it would show up in the rankings at all. And the first result was epicfilmguys.com, where you had mentioned us. (laughs) Nice. You'll notice that in iTunes as well, if you you list our show in your show notes or talk about our show and Mm -hmm. vice versa, when you search for your show in iTunes, ours will show up and vice versa. So it'll also be a good way for some of our fans to find you guys. If for whatever reason Netflix and Swill doesn't show up, they can still find you that way. Uh, That's awesome. It might be my Google, just based off of... Search history, but Netflix and Swole does jump to the top. You got our Facebook page, Podbean page, iTunes page, and then Twitter. So if you just nice. if you just Google us, apparently we just show up. So well, that's that's all I could ask for. Yay, Caleb! What do you want to pimp before we head out of here? Hit me up on Twitter at c underscore leb twenty twenty one. That's cleb twenty twenty one. Check out the Netflix and Swole Facebook page. Yeah, Facebook is also at Netflix N, the letter N, Swill. Hit us up on Twitter at Netflix N Swill. And you can find me on Twitter at Dan of Action. That's about it. So, from all of us here, for Nick, who can go fuck himself, for Caleb, who cannot go fuck himself, and for myself. Why not? Because your girlfriend is in your apartment. Touche. Sick burn? <laughs> no. So for Nick, for Caleb, for myself, this has been the Netflix and Swill podcast. You've been swilling, now get chilling. I hate that outro. I hate you.
Shit.